Today we're going to uh, conclude uh, this series that we're in. It's called Alive Without uh, Breathing. And it's uh, based on this quote from uh, the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said to be a Christian without praying is like being alive uh, without breathing. And so this series is about these spiritual experiences, these spiritual practices that are as important to our spiritual lives as breathing is to our physical uh, lives. Uh, a few months ago, I, uh, I took a trip out to Denver uh, to meet with one of our ministry partners. And I got there early, a few hours early, checked into the hotel, and it was just a gorgeous day. This is in the wintertime. It was just gorgeous, perfect temperature. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to get a little exercise in. I'm going to go for a little, uh, little jog and go for a little run. But uh, I started running, and I mean, I was out of breath. And I mean, I was huffing and puffing. I mean, I came this close to stop, and I thought, you know, I, I got a little scared. I thought, maybe there's something uh, wrong with me. Um, anybody anybody want to guess? Uh, anybody know why I was so sluggish? Why I felt so sluggish? Yeah, altitude. That's right. There's not as much oxygen, you know, in, in the air in Denver. They call it the Mile High uh, City. And I could feel it. I could feel the lack of uh, oxygen. And the same thing can happen to us spiritually where, you know, we wonder, oh, why do I feel so spiritually tired? Why do I lack spiritual uh, vitality? Why do I just feel lifeless? Why does following Jesus seem so hard for me and other people just come flying by? Maybe, could it be that spiritually there just isn't enough life-giving oxygen getting into into your heart? We've looked at this uh, remarkable verse where where Jesus said, I've come that, that they might have life and have it to the full. Isn't that a great verse? Life and have it to the full. I mean, doesn't that sound great? That's what Jesus wants for you and, and for me. Life and have it to the full. But many of us spiritually, we're like somebody who's alive but not breathing right. And consequently, we're just not getting enough oxygen into our heart. And so throughout this series, we're talking about these practices that are just like oxygen, things like prayer and and Bible reading. And uh, last week, we talked about journaling. And now this week, we're going to focus on serving. And I think one of the best examples that I've seen of this recently, you just saw, it was on the video here. Just a few weeks ago, we had this event here called Amped, and we sent about 70 middle school students out into the community to serve needs. They made lunches at the Salvation Army. They did grounds keeping and cleanup of public areas. They, they served the elderly. They collected food for the food pantry. I mean, and on and on. I mean, they just served all kinds of needs in the community. And here's the really remarkable part. I mean, these middle school kids, they didn't complain about getting up you know, early in the morning during their uh, summer break and, and going out and, and working hard all day. In fact, they had fun. They enjoyed it. They felt energized. And I think it's because serving not only helps other people, it, it's like oxygen for our soul. Reminds me of this verse here from, from Proverbs that says, those who refresh Others, those who serve others, will themselves be refreshed. In other words, when we help others, we inhale oxygen and feel energized by it. I think that's because the truth is that God God made us to serve. God created us to serve. He put it in our heart. He put it in our soul. He put that in our identity. Take a look at this verse written by a a leader named Paul in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece... He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, that word masterpiece is a beautiful word. What it means is that God has handcrafted you and custom designed you to serve 
in specific ways. And then later on in, in, in this book to the Ephesians, letter to the Ephesians, Paul explains this further by talking about you, okay, and something that God has put in you, and you might not even know it's there. Here's what he says. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I want you to notice how uh, he begins by saying, but to each of us, grace has been given. And that word grace is a, is a pretty familiar word probably to, to many of us, but I want you to think of it as synonymous with gift given, okay? And what Paul's saying here is that God has given you a gift. And this is not just a, you know, a general, uh, generic gift, but, but, but specifically a gift to you and you and you and you and you and, 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 and each person. And then he goes on to explain the gifts that God's given you, and here they are. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. As you think of that list there, you know, you might go, whoa, <laughs> apostles? <laughs> you know, like, like St. Paul or like St. Peter? And, uh, you know, what does it say there? Evangelists, you know, like Billy Graham, or even worse, like some of the guys on Christian television? Well, yes and no. yes. But not exactly like that. So before we jump in, let me clarify a few things about these words, okay? These words, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. These are good words, okay, that describe good gifts that God has given you. But unfortunately, these words have been misused or maybe not used at all. And so we may not have a correct understanding of what they mean. We think they maybe describe somebody who's a lot more spiritual than we are or maybe stranger than, you know, we hope to be. But neither one of those is true you got to understand something, that when Paul wrote this list that God's given you these gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, he originally wrote this list, okay, to, to, to a small group of people in Ephesus. I mean, think, think about your small group, okay, if you're, in a, if you're in a small group, just normal people following Jesus. So God's given these gifts to everyday average people like, like you and like me, not, you know, you know, not just Billy Graham or saints or superstar Christians. These words, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, describes the gifts that you have been given by God. And, you know, this is not something that you've earned, okay, or worked hard uh, to receive. This is just a gift straight from God to you. And when you use your gift, okay, it not only serves other people, it's like oxygen in your heart and in your soul. So let's go back to... Uh, to, uh, you know, the most interesting topic, you, okay? And let's take a look at the uh, little quiz here, and let's talk about the gifts that you've uh, been given. Okay, looking at your quiz there, uh, question for you. How many of you scored highest in the A section? Show of hands. Who scored highest in the A section? Okay. Now, if you scored high in the A section, you may have what we call an apostolic gift, okay? Apostle means one who is sent out, or one who goes first. And so if you have an apostolic gift, there's a good chance that you are a visionary type person who you know, likes to start new things. In fact, just, just talking about, dreaming about, you know, starting uh, new things. Get your adrenaline going a little bit. And starting something new doesn't scare you. In fact, it breathes life. It's like oxygen. 
uh, for you. You probably love change and love taking on new things. In the business world, you tend to be the, the entrepreneurs who start something from nothing. But if you have this gift, you, you, you've got to be careful, okay? Every one of these gifts has a shadow side. And uh, here's what can happen. You, if, if you have an apostolic gift, okay, you can fall in love with every new idea that comes your way every day. And maybe you never end up actually following through on any of them. Or, or you can do this. You can move you know, from one new idea to another new idea uh, to, to the next new idea. And the people that are with you, people that are working with you, the people that are, are following you, they might feel disappointed. They might feel, uh, they might feel forgotten or confused. And, 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 and they might ask you, hey, what happened to that last great idea? But here's why our church needs visionary apostolic uh, leaders, okay? We, we're counting on you to start new things. We need you to encourage the rest of us to take some big risks for Jesus. We need you to start new ministries for us. We need you to start new, brand new small groups. We need you to start brand new, not-for-profits, brand new churches. That's the apostolic gift. All right, let's move on to the next section. Anybody score highest on the P section? Would you raise your hand? Anybody, anybody score high? Several of you, okay? If you scored high on the P section, you probably have a prophetic gift. Now, we tend to think of uh, prophets as people who can predict the future, okay? And while it's true in a sense that, you know, prophets can have insight about the future, more specifically, I think the better definition is that prophets are truth tellers, okay? And if you have a prophetic gift, you can look into a, a, a situation and, and discern and just see through things. And maybe you see motives that other people don't see, or maybe you see intentions or pitfalls or creative solutions, and you speak the truth into a situation. But prophets, you can also have blind spots. Since you're so perceptive and so often right, I mean, you can become kind of arrogant and you might start thinking that you're right 100% of the time. And you don't need other people. But remember, your insight is a gift from God, not from you. And secondly, you're not right all the time. And so you do need other uh, people. And I, I can talk that way to prophets because you don't mind hard truths. right? Now, here's, here's why we need prophets. We need you to be truth tellers. We need you to tell us that last 10%. You know, everybody else, everybody else says the 90%. You say that last 10% of truth that other people are afraid to say out loud. We need you to, we need, uh, you to, to, to gently and humbly tell us the whole truth about our strengths and our weaknesses. That's the prophetic uh, gift. All right, how about the next one? Anybody score highest on the E section? Would you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, quite a few of you, okay? If you score high in the E section, it may mean that you have an evangelistic gift. Evangelist means one who brings good news to others. And evangelists, you're probably the life of the party. You know, you're probably the kind of person who just attracts and gathers other people. You're probably the person who just had the big 4th of July party. Or, you know, at the, at the very least, you, you went to a 4th of July party. Maybe you brought someone or some people with you, or you just, you just brought life to the party, right? In the business world, you make great salespeople or uh, great public relations reps or even politicians. An evangelist you love helping people find and follow Jesus. Chances are, if you have this evangelistic gift, you find yourself consistently 
inviting people to come with you to church and inviting them uh, to your small group because that's like oxygen for your soul. But if you have the gift of evangelism, here's here's where you have to be careful, all right? Don't just kind of love and leave, leave people. When you're with an evangelist, okay, they might make you think that, you know, you're their new best friend. But you actually might just be their most recent friend, okay? And before long, they move on to to, to somebody else. And so evangelists, make sure you value relationships as much as the cause. Otherwise, you might end up hurting people in in the process. Now, our church needs evangelists, okay? Because more than anyone else, you help grow the mission. And so we need you to invite people into the life of the church. We need you to include people in your small group. So keep inviting and including so that we stay on mission, making more and better followers of Jesus. That's the evangelistic uh, gift. All right, a couple more. Anybody score highest on the S section? Oh, yeah, quite a few. If you probably have the shepherding gift. And uh, everybody else listen here because if you need somebody to take good care of you, these are the people, all right? If you need a hug from somebody, these are the people. The shepherds tend to be encouraging and caring people and tender-hearted people. As a shepherd, you might find yourself in jobs like a nurse or a social worker or a counselor. Shepherds are the people who really hurt when you see other people hurting. But they're not just softies. In the church sometimes, shepherds are very firm and very strong, especially when it comes to protecting the flock, protecting the church. But shepherds, here's a couple thoughts about where you need to be careful. First, be careful that you set some boundaries uh, for your own health. Because shepherds, you'll have a tendency to take in every hurting person and dog and cat and and animal because, you know, you just want to heal them all. But in the process, if you take in too much, you might hurt yourself. So you need to set some boundaries. Secondly, shepherds, you also uh, need to, uh, you, you can also allow other people to become too dependent on you. So Take care of other people, but don't do for them what they can do for themselves. Now, shepherds, here's why you are important. Here's why we really need you in our church. You're important because you help other people not only feel loved by you, okay? You help them feel loved by God. And we need you to to, to teach the rest of us because uh, you know how uh, to care for other people, and we need you to teach us how to care for the people around us. That's a shepherding uh, gift. All right, last one. Anybody score high in the T section? Oh, yeah. If you scored high in the T section, you probably have the teaching gift. And uh, that means that you would probably make a good teacher or maybe a trainer or anything where you share insights with a group of people. Anything, you know, if, you're, if, you, if, if you find yourself good at that, you, you, you probably have the gift of teaching. Now, now teachers, here's where you, where you need to be careful. You will be inclined... Uh, to just, just love this book, okay? And, and hear me on this. That is a very, 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 very good thing, okay? But the point of following Jesus is not just to love this book, okay? The point of following Jesus is to love God and to follow his commands. And this book is a tremendous truth source to guide us, but the truth source is not God, Okay? Now, here's where we need teachers in the church. We need you to bring insights to little kids in kid life. And we need you to share truth with students in Edge and Slife. And uh, we need you to enlighten the rest of us in small groups. We need teachers to help us discover life-changing truths 
in, in God's word, okay? We need you to use your gift of, of teaching. And so here's, here's the list that Paul gives here in the book of Ephesians, okay? The gifts that God gives you. Apostles, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Now, I need to tell you something, that this isn't the only list, okay? There's two other lists in the New Testament. There's one in the book of Romans, and there's another one in the, in the, uh, in the letter to uh, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And these other lists include gifts like leadership and administration and mercy and encouragement. And if you'd like to explore this further, you can go to our website. We've got a, a more extensive spiritual gifts assessment, and uh, you can fill that out. And that'll help you see if help you identify if maybe you have one of these uh, other gifts. But for our time today, I want to focus on these five gifts that Paul listed in Ephesians. And so, so you know, what do we do now? You know, with this, with this information about ourselves and about these, these five gifts, I mean, do we, we, do we make some big buttons, you know, and, and pin them on our shirt that say, you know, hi, I'm Ben, you know, the apostle, and walk around saying, you know, aren't you glad you have me around here to start new things for God? You know, no, 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 no. Thousand times no. We don't, we're not going to do that. Remember, we didn't earn these gifts. They're gifts that were given by God. And if we look back at this passage in Ephesians uh, 4, Paul says the reason God gave us these gifts is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up. You see, God gives gifts to people, and he gives people to the church. And so I've been given a gift to serve and, and, and build up the church, and you've been given a gift to use to serve and build up uh, the church. And together, when we use our gifts, it not only breathes oxygen into our spiritual lives, it builds up and it strengthens the church to move forward, making more and better followers of Jesus. I try to think of some examples of uh, people that I've seen around River Glen uh, you know, use their gifts. And, uh, you know, first person I thought of, I thought of, I thought of Jill Spellman and uh, her husband Jim. You know, for, for a couple of years, they just dreamed. They had this dream about starting a new ministry to help people struggling with habits and hurts and, and hang-ups. And so a couple of years ago, Jill recruited a team to help her, and she recruited a band and uh, uh, teachers and, and, and group leaders. And they started meeting on Monday nights and called it Celebrate Recovery. And you know what? They have helped countless people find and follow Jesus and experience a new level of freedom, all because Jill and her team started this brand new thing. Anybody want to guess her gift? Uh, yeah, I would say apostle. I, 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 would, I would guess apostolic gift. People with this gift start new things. They take new territory. I, I thought about uh, Jess Beckwith. And uh, Jess started coming to River Glen uh, 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 several years ago when she came, moved to the area to go to uh, uh, Carroll College. Uh, Jess volunteers as a leader here. You can, you can see she volunteers in uh, student ministry, right? And uh, she has a gift. Uh, she, she volunteers in SLIFE, our high school ministry. She has a gift for speaking truth into uh, people's lives, especially high school students. And uh, she's nice about it, okay? But she's not afraid to challenge high school students to take their faith in Jesus seriously and to own it, okay, and to, you know, take it uh, to the next level. You can probably tell that her gift is, uh, is profit. Uh, another person that comes to mind is uh, Mark Beaver. Yeah, Mark started a prison ministry a few years ago. He's got, a, he's got this team of people, and they go into, into prisons, 
and to share the gospel. And uh, there's been a, a couple times, you know, after the weekend service, Mark will come up to me after, after service, and he'll say, hey, Ben, would you, would you share that? Would you send me that, that story or that joke or that illustration you used, you know, in your message? And I'll send it to him. And he'll take it into a prison and uh, use it. And he gets better results with it than I do. It seems like, I mean, every couple weeks, this guy, he is texting me or emailing me or coming up to me in the lobby telling me about another person that he's led to Jesus. And why is that? I think it's because there's something inside of him. I think there's an evangelistic gift, the gift of evangelism, bringing good news to people. And I also think of Gary and Chris Reif. They lead the Stephen ministry in our church. Seems like we always have people going through some difficulty in their life. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've lost a job. Maybe some kind of illness. But Gary and Chris and their Stephen ministers, they come alongside and they provide care and support, and love to help people through those difficult seasons. And uh, I would say their gift is shepherding. And then one more person came to mind, and that's uh, Steve Vox. Steve and his, his wife, uh, Sue, have led small groups ever since River Glen uh, began, 18 years ago. And Steve loves, if you've been around him, you know that he loves to share insight uh, you know, about the Bible, especially in a small group. And I know people who have grown spiritually and taken new ground, and, and they point back to a small group uh, led by Steve and, uh, and Suvak. What's his gift? I would say it's a teaching gift. And so do you see how all this works together? Okay, On our own, I mean, we're insufficient to do what Jesus, to, to, to get done what Jesus wants done. We're, we're incomplete on our own. That's why we need all our gifts working together to build each other up and to build up the church. And Paul says if we use our gifts for the good of each other and for the good of the church, he says here's what will happen. We'll become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. In other words, if we use our gifts okay, together, we're going to fulfill the dream that God has for our lives and the dream that God has for this church. And so here's the question that I have to ask you. Are you using the gift that God has given you? Are you using it to fulfill the dream that God has for your life? And are you using your gift to build up this church, okay, so that we can make more and better followers of Jesus? I mean, if you have an apostolic gift, we need you. We're counting on you to take risk and start new things. We need you to start brand new ministries. We need you to start brand new small groups, brand new not-for-profits, brand new church locations. If you have a prophetic gift, we need you to speak truth into our lives, gracefully but candidly tell us the whole truth. Challenge us to become more like the God that we serve and follow. If you're an evangelist, we need you to keep on inviting and keep on including people, more and more people into the weekend services, more and more people into small groups. That's how we accomplish our mission because you invite and include and use your evangelistic gift. And if you're a shepherd, you know how to care for people. God's given you that gift and we need you to care for people and we also need you to help us learn how to care for the people around us. And if you're a teacher, we need you to teach these truths from God's word to, to little kids in kid life and to students in the edge and slife and to adults in small groups and other venues. Use your teaching gift. And if you haven't been using your gift, I want to challenge you. Start today. 
Get involved. Step up and contribute to the mission. And you know what? It'll be like oxygen in your heart and in your soul. On your way out today, uh, somebody's going to hand you at the door uh, one of these cards here with serving opportunities listed under each one of the the gifts. And if you want to find out more, just fill this out here, okay, and hand it in at the uh, uh, information center or hand it to one of the people in the lobby today with a a red shirt on. We're going to have several people in the lobby out there today with, with red shirts on, and they'd love to help you. So uh, don't be shy. Um, you can walk up to them. You can give them your card. And they'd love to answer any questions that you have and tell you more about serving opportunities that fit your gift. We tried to fit several on here, but I'm sure there are, are, are others. Specific things that you can do that will energize you and build up our church. Because I'll never be, you'll never be, we will never be all that God called us to be without each one of us using our gift. I want to conclude and wrap, wrap this all up with a quote and then an image for you to think about. This quote comes from a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. And it's called 100 Pianos. And it goes like this. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned Not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must bow, individually bow. So 100 worshipers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. And we're like those 100 pianos, aren't we? And as we look to Christ, as each one of us looks to to Christ, together we can create something amazingly beautiful. And I want to be part of that. Don't you? Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord, by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. You know, that image of that tuning fork made me think about what we're going to do next in our service, and that is communion. You know, we're like pianos. Together we create something. We're like 100 pianos that can create something beautiful, but we also need some tuning don't we? And communion is kind of like spiritual tuning. Communion is like a tuning fork for us. We remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, and it gets us in tune with him personally, and it gets us in tune. As a result of that, we get in tune with each other, and we get in tune with his mission for each of us in the, in the world. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to share 
uh, communion uh, uh, together uh, as a time of, of, of spiritual tuning. And if this is new to you, you know, it, it's okay to take a pass on it. That, that, that's fine. But our communion is open to anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who follows Jesus and wants to remember what he did for us on the cross and wants to align with him and his mission for us in the world. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for sending Jesus to go to the cross as a sacrifice for, for all our sins, but not just so that we can go to heaven when we die, but also to change our lives right now and so that you can, can use us right now to carry out your mission of making more and better followers of Jesus in this community and, and, and throughout the world. God, thank you for, for giving each one of us gifts to use to serve and, and help others that, that also breathe life into our hearts and strengthen and build your church. God, I pray that, that today you would inspire more of us to discover and start using our gifts, not just to, to inhale oxygen, but, but as a, also as a way to express our gratitude to you for sending your son as a sacrifice on our behalf for all our sins to make us part of your family and part of your mission in this world today. And we pray this in his name, amen.